0: Well, here we are in the thick of a new year, and as usual, new years bring along new beginnings and possibly new promises for things to come. So for those of you out there who happen to own a business, I want to tell you a little bit about FedEx Office. If you're just starting or have been running a company for, I don't know, years, generations, an eternity, FedEx Office gives you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and much, much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. Right now, we're teaming up with FedEx and PodGo to bring our listeners 30% off your next order of $100 or more at podgo.co slash FedEx. That's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, the world on time. Oh, speaking of being on time, I'm late for the show.
1: now just because you didn't drink all of your milk this is teller hell
0: showbiz is a fickle business As proof of that, here's Jackie Gleason in a clip that we didn't use from the ever-popular Apology episode of You're in the Picture, where The Great One explains two showbiz projects from back in the day, one that should not have been a hit but turned out to be a big one, and another one that had all the ingredients of success, only for the opposite to happen. Bear with us, there is a point here. First, the unlikely hit. Now suppose a guy walked
2: into you when you were the president of a bank, and he said to you, I want to borrow a million dollars, because I'm gonna put on a picture with no stars in it. He said, and the plot of the picture is this, an ugly butcher up in the Bronx. <laughs> can't get a date. But oddly enough, there was a guy who did borrow some money from a bank, who did put on a picture without any stars in it, And it was about an ugly butcher in the Bronx who couldn't find a date. And the name of the picture was Marty. Now, up to now, it's made about $8 million. So how can you tell,
0: you know? And now, the flop of ambition. There was a show, a guy had an idea for
2: a show. He said, Here's what we're going to do. He says, We're going to put on a show called Keep Off the Grass. It'll be about Central Park. He says, we'll get two geniuses to write the music, and they did. They got Jimmy McHugh and Howard Deets. They said, we'll get the master choreographer of all time, Balanchine. He'll put on the dance. They said, then we'll get stars. We'll get Jimmy Durante, Jane Froman, Ray Bolger, and Ilka Chase. And they did. And they put this show on. I was in it, friends. It closed so fast, I got caught in the doors.
0: Simply put, you could have all the right ingredients for something successful, but if the execution is less about precision and more of the electric chair slash lethal injection type, you could wind up with a show like this. Oh, boy.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. You like boy.
3: Uh, no, no, no.
0: This is the tale of a show that had everything going for it before it aired. Good writers, good actors, and one performer fresh off his biggest success.
1: But no matter how good the ingredients were, if they were cooked the wrong way, there could be some severe indigestion. A kind of indigestion that would wind up circling the drain of tele
0: Seinfeld The show, about nothing And yet somehow, it meant everything to a lot of people For nine years, the show paid NBC's bills Cemented Jerry Seinfeld's status as one of the greatest comedians of all time And turned a group of ensemble actors into household names
1: He took it out I'm out
3: everybody, I think I smell some smoke back here. Fire! 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 Fire!
0: Before Seinfeld was ever on his radar, however, Jason Alexander spent most of his salad days doing what struggling actors do best, appear in a number of bit parts in TV shows, commercials, and the occasional stage show. Simply put, if Larry David never intervened, the biggest role Alexander would probably be best known for would be either his McDLT commercial for McDonald's... ...or as the guy who tried to assault Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. So
3: maybe if I screw you, huh? And take you to the opera then i could be a happy guy just like that hey get
1: off me hey. Hey.
0: Ow. thankfully alexander would never have a role like that ever again once he took on the role of one of the greatest lovable losers in all of television george costanza
3: believe it or not george is not at home please leave a message at the beep be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be?
1: <laughs>
3: Believe it or not, I'm not
0: home. And so it was from 1989 to 1998. But as is the case in all walks of life, all good things must come to an end. With the show over, the four stars scattered off to points unknown with the knowledge that, because they appeared on one of the most popular TV shows of all time, They could practically do whatever they wanted now without any consequences at least that's how it felt to some of them every time i see this backdrop i think about kramer fucking up uh no 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 no. there's there's no way in hell i'm playing the real kramer clip i mean hopefully we all know what we're talking about right okay for the rest of the cast they pushed ahead. Seinfeld returning to the stand up that made him famous, in addition to speaking to famous funny people inside vehicles for some caffeinated beverages. Dreyfus racking up Emmy after Emmy for her work on Veep and other lesser material. I'm guessing those new Adventures of Old Christine Emmys were makeup calls for the year she got snubbed playing Elaine. And as for Alexander, well, he did keep busy in his gap years mostly voicing various things for Disney. But on the flip side, he also did this... He is leader. You're so happy you <laughs> ...and this...
3: Yo! You're looking at the bomb diggity numero uno smoke detector! That's me, Seymour Smoke! I can smell any kind of smoke in any kind of house or apartment, and I can
0: smell that smoke Better than you, faster than you, easier than you.
3: And, when that smoke
0: comes... and I'll leave it to you to figure out which was the more embarrassing post-Seinfeld role he did at that time, but time does have a habit of marching on. Three years after Seinfeld ended, Alexander thought the time was right to return to series television. But after seeing what happened to some of his co-stars and their aborted comebacks, independent George had to tread lightly. Remember this. With that much of an introduction in mind I think this is going to be one of those cases Where we let the man himself tell the rest of the story In a 2014 interview with the Television Academy's Archive of American Television Alexander tells of how this idea came to fruition One of my best friends is a gentleman named Peter Tilden
3: He's been a radio talk guy for years and years and years And during Seinfeld, in the middle of Seinfeld I went on to his morning radio show And he said, I've got the idea for your next show And he said, have you ever gone to a a Tony Robbins seminar? You know, I've seen enough of them on TV and he goes, how about a guy whose job is telling everybody else how their life is wrong and how to fix it but in his house, he's the biggest jackass there is. He has no respect, everything's dysfunctional. I went, oh, that's really interesting. That's new turf and I see why it's funny. And he had had this idea in his head for years and he said, I think you'd be great. And I always said to him, you know what, when I'm Done with Seinfeld, let's really
0: talk about it. Not unlike You're in the Picture and Keep Off the Grass, the idea seemed too good. A show about America's number three motivational speaker who spent his career helping fix other people's lives, yet he can't fix his own. To further add layers of just how too good the show could be, Alexander would team up with longtime friend Peter Tilden... And another producer, Michael Markowitz, who had previously worked with Alexander on the underappreciated animated series, Duckman.
3: I won't be in the coffin anyway, cause some underhanded undertaker sold my heart, pancreas and other assorted good and plenty to the same Santeria cult! So does anybody really wonder why anybody is hanging on to sanity by the atoms on the tips of their fingernails while life dirty dances on their digits? And is it really any wonder that I seem deranged? But... (laughs) That's probably nothing you haven't heard a hundred times before.
0: All three gentlemen would share billing as the show's creators and executive producers. And since all three people involved knew each other really well, you would think that the quality of the show would be maintained a little except for the fact that Alexander and Tilden were first-time TV producers, while Markowitz would appear to be more of a writer than a producer. Still though, the notion of Alexander returning to series television at all was enough for not only Touchstone and 20th Century Fox to co-produce the show, but for the ABC network to give the show the green light for the fall of 2001 of course you can't have a good show of any kind without the right cast to bring the words to life most notably was legendary comedian robert klein as patterson's manager mr landau he's looking at mtv's
2: watching the red hot chili peppers video singing their number one hit give it away what i got you gotta give it to your mother what i got you gotta take a stick it in yo give it away give it away give it away now
0: For those who are old enough to have watched HBO since its inception in the 1970s, you already know who Robert Klein is. For the younger listeners out there who may only know him as the mayor of New York in one of the Sharknado sequels, I'll tell you that Robert Klein is what's known as a comedian's comedian. Somebody who's been in stand-up for a long enough time that no matter what other acting products he or she have under their belt, it's stand-up that will make them more memorable. Just ask Jerry Seinfeld. The rest of the cast would be a who's who of who's that who would seem pretty easy to gloss over, except for one breakout role, which we'll get to in a moment.
1: Oh, Mally. Yeah? Stop looking at my JJ.
0: And we can't stress enough. Just about everything about this sitcom seemed to have had everything going for it. A star fresh off his biggest success, a durable team of cast members and writers, even a plum time slot on Tuesday nights. I mean, it's not like there was anything else worth watching opposite the show, right? Okay, so the show looked like a David versus Fraser's Goliath, but... Sure, a comedy in the
1: fall of 2001 could hold its own. Tuesday, September 11th, 2001, began like any weekday morning in lower Manhattan. Hey, that's not fair. People needed to laugh after 9-11.
0: Granted, more people tuned in to watch familiar programs that season rather than the new ones, but the point remains. The fact that the show premiered 21 days after that happened is purely a coincidence. Nevertheless, despite two seemingly large clouds over its head, the show, which was to be called Bob Patterson, was probably the most hyped show of the season, and we'll see just how much it tried to live up to that hype.
1: After the break.
3: Sparky? Sparky? Sparky, come back! Sparky, stop! (laughs) <laughs> There's only one way off this boot for you now, mister Good thing these rolled gold pretzels are fat-free Arms away, <laughs> pretzel boy Brave man
2: Yeah, must be the pretzels <laughs> For great taste that's fat-free It must be rolled gold And welcome back to Miami where the Charger.
1: Well, Al, Al, hold it Look at this Can you believe this? I've seen it all now. The guy's got a
3: dog with him. (laughs) This is absolutely incredible. Go Niners!
0: Kellihell is proud to partner up with Dave's Archives. Dave's Archives is the premier spot on YouTube where you can get your vintage TV fix, including old commercials and original shows covering classic TV and other TV-related pop culture. Here's just a small taste of what they have in store for you. A fresh taste. A whole new flair. Apple cinnamon in the
1: middle. Kellogg's. Apple cinnamon. Well. Real apple, apple in the middle. Kellogg's apple cinnamon square. Well. Let's see so-
2: Apple
1: squares.
0: Want to check out the rest of it? Go to YouTube and type in Dave's Archives Or you can visit them on Facebook Again, search Dave's Archives And now, back to my punishment for the week October 2nd, 2001, America was still reeling from the attacks of 9-11, Mariah Carey was still reeling from the critical attacks on the movie Glitter, and at 9pm, 8pm Central, a wounded nation welcomed back a popular TV star with open arms. As we see Bob Patterson working his magic at one of his seminars via infomercial parody. Thousands of people just like you have already reached the top using techniques they've
2: learned
3: at Bob Patterson seminars.
2: Bob Patterson, America's number three best-selling self-help guru, author of I Know
3: More Than You by Bob Patterson, and the highly successful I Still Know More Than You by Bob Patterson, will be appearing in person this Saturday at the La Jolla Exhibition Center.
0: And I'll admit, having worked night jobs when I was alive and coming home to what little TV there was to watch at 2 a.m., the first minute is actually a very solid parody of most modern infomercials. Dare I say, there, there. it's even on par with the infomercial parodies you would see on Adult Swim at 4 a.m. But then, the parody is immediately paused and replaced with the show's version of reality.
3: Look at that. Would, would, you, would you look at that? What's wrong? I'm seeing magic. Magic is happening. Would you look at the two of us together? It's like John Tesh took his nephew to the beach. Fine. If it bothers you, I'll talk to the production guy. There's tricks they can do. Tricks? What what kind of tricks? Tricks! I don't know. You saw The Matrix? (laughs) The Matrix? I don't want to jump over,
0: Tesh. I just don't want to look like I'm giving him a Lewinsky. Which now marks another TV sitcom of this particular TV season that would use a joke like that in hopes it would still stay fresh three years after the fact. The other show to do
1: that? Who do I look up and see but former President Clinton? And he compliments my tie. He liked it so much that I offered to give it to him, but he, he turned me down. Sure,
2: last time he complimented someone and they took off a piece of clothing, he got impeached.
0: <laughs> that piece of outdated material aside, Alexander and Klein continue to talk shop.
3: How are you coming with that presentation? I hit a block getting into it. How far into it? Early on. How early? Welcome to La Jolla. <laughs> I know it. It's been like this for eight months, ever since Janet left. You haven't written a thing. Janet made me nuts! I know that. It's actually the best thing that Janet is gone. Really? You used to rave about the sex. Why would you bring that
0: up? (laughs) I I thought the topic was things about Janet.
3: I just said it's the best thing that she's gone. Now I no longer have a best
0: thing. And this opening diatribe is pointing out something else that we neglected to mention until now. The unfortunate side effects of typecasting. This is a common thing that happens whenever a TV star appears on a show for many years, and whenever he or she tries to take on another role, no matter how well they do in that other role, they will always be branded with the stigma of that previous role casting a larger shadow on anything else they do for the rest of their lives. Not that the stigma isn't escapable or anything, but sometimes it could take years for somebody to take on a role that is far more memorable than the first memorable role that they took on. Here, the untrained eye thinks we're seeing a new character, but to those who can see through it, it's pretty much just another version of George Costanza, only slightly more successful, and ramble over as Patterson tries to shake himself out of his writer's block.
2: Hola, Maria. Good morning, Mr. Landau. Hi, Mr. Patterson.
0: Maria could get you past your blockage.
3: (laughs) Crazy, she's out of my league. She delivers water, for crying out loud. Doesn't matter, you're born into a league and you can't move up. (laughs) You're the man who said, if you can envision it, you can get it. I'm envisioning it, I'm not gonna get
0: it. (laughs) At the risk of saying, physician heal thyself, why not do what your much better character once did and do the opposite? That worked like a charm.
3: My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents.
2: (laughs) I'm Victoria, hi.
0: But again, this is also a sitcom, which means, by the laws of television, the schlub always gets the hot girl, Uh, sometimes. Uh, Bob, did
3: you know that Maria's thinking of leaving water delivery? Really?
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about maybe trying to get into modeling.
3: Well, you're certainly in great shape for it. (laughs) I assume it's from carrying those big jugs around all day. (laughs) I'll see you later. Yes, yes. You are the Mac Daddy. What does that
0: mean? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> oh, uh, one other thing before we continue. The show segues. And by association, it's theme song, which is still another torture that we wish we had a hand in. Just giving you fair warning there before you wonder why you've ripped out your ears later for no particular reason. <laughs> Act 1 begins with Bob and Landau meeting a unique new hire. And she's played by.
1: Stop looking at my JJ!
0: Dr. Bailey herself, Chandra Wilson. This was one of her first major roles on TV before becoming the mother of all surgeons on Grey's Anatomy. And as is the case both there and here, she's often the silver lining when something is going wrong. In Patterson's case, she plays a newly hired receptionist who is. uh shall we say, different?
3: Who was that? Her name is Claudia. She's your new assistant. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not going to work. Why? Because she's in a wheelchair? Of course not. What kind of a person do you think I am? It's because she's black. Hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa.
0: Whoa! Hey, please tell me there's a twist to that supposed joke. It's not because I don't like black people, they don't like me. We got a handful of black
3: people at the seminars. Ah, but they only represent 12% of the entire population. Really? Yeah, we're doing pretty good.
0: Oh, well, (laughs) I guess that makes it all better. But surprisingly, that's not even the worst part of this section. Oh, okay, it actually is, but this next part comes a very close second. I'd like you to meet Bob Patterson. Hi, how are you?
1: Nice to meet you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm oh, sorry. It's all right, it's okay, right. it's, right. it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry. I, I've only been in the chair a couple of months. I'm not really good at it no, yet. No, I
3: guess. no, 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 please, please. Okay. If uh, if you if you don't mind my asking, uh, what happened?
1: Oh, I, I lost the use of my legs.
0: (laughs) So in that past minute, we've got jokes against minorities and the handicapped. Elements I would come down on even harder were it not for the fact that Wilson's character was actually the most charming one on the show so far. In the midst of those misfires, Bob and company try to put together his next seminar. Look, I know you've been under a lot of pressure lately, so I thought we could invigorate the La Jolla presentation by coming
2: up with a gimmick. No. Bob, the trend today is gimmicks. Tony Robbins with the firewalking, Robert Bly with the drumming and the naked. Don't
3: cheapen what I do. There is nothing wrong with Bob. And
0: one quick glance
3: at a pair of tight water delivery shorts later. <clears throat> um, Maria, um, I was thinking about your, your modeling career, and I, I, I just want to say one thing. The only thing standing between you and your goals
0: is you and your goals. Wow. All of a sudden, and in a slightly ironic twist, Sex seems to be powering a Jason Alexander character, unlike the way a lack of it wound up powering his other character years earlier.
2: Now granted, you have extracted an astonishing amount from this little scrap. (laughs) But with no Sex Louise, this previously useless lump is now functioning for the first time in its existence.
0: But I'm sure that's just a coincidence as Bob tries to conquer his writer's block at home. I think I'm
3: over, Janet
0: Okay, seriously, I'd like those Bobs to stop, please. OK. As Patterson returns home, he's greeted by an unexpected guest. Bob <laughs> Janet? Bob! I'm back <laughs> No or not. Oh, no, I have
3: so much to tell you. No, you don't. Since I've grown emotional. No, you haven't. Aww. Damn it. I can't do this right now. No, but I have, I have a big like seminar in two days. I can't deal like with you.
0: Bob's ex-wife re-enters the picture and goes on about some sort of spiritual awakening mumbo jumbo that even real motivational speakers don't get paid enough to spew out.
1: I am just going to grab a shower, <laughs> take a nap, and then maybe once
2: I'm feeling a little more centered, we can dialogue.
3: Dialogue? There'll be Janet. No You're not going to suck me
0: back in again. I have 27 pages to write, and I'm going to write them because I am focused. I am like a laser beam. This results in Patterson's frustrations and his writer's block making a comeback. So,
3: dude, Oh, my God. Look what you have pierced. <laughs>
0: Is that the wedding room? <laughs> Act two begins with...
1: Seriously, stop with the Bobs already. Bob Newhart never had to resort to any event during his sitcoms. Anyway,
0: Bob tells the other Bob, as in Bob Klein, about his developments. Let's see what you got here. Obstacles are something that get in the way. For some it was the Berlin
2: Wall, but that was mostly the Germans? What the hell is it? <laughs> Janet
3: is back For Columbus it was the Atlantic For Dean Martin it was Jerry Lewis Did you hear me? (laughs) Janet is back Back where? Back in the house In the safe haven And she's celibate And she pierced her woo-woo
0: And now comes the overall crux of the episode The fact that Bob is looking for some peace and quiet To finish up his seminar script Only to be done in by one distraction after another Starting with a tertiary Seinfeld alumni Mr. Landau This
2: is harsh lash. Oh, good! Come in! (laughs) This is good. He has many layers of fat. Quiet! (laughs) You shut up! You know, I think I'll just take the check. You Batman! (laughs) You very, very Batman!
0: After getting measured for a bed of nails, I can only describe the next eight minutes of the show as farstacular. By which I mean, they try to blast as much attempted comedy into your face as they possibly can, in the hopes that you'll be able to absorb it quickly enough to appreciate Bob being faced with one distraction after another. Starting with the star of Patterson's infomercials, former Entertainment Tonight host, alleged musician, and lifelong lurch from the Addams Family cosplayer, John Tesh.
1: I've been thinking about the infomercial. I I just don't think I nailed it.
3: Oh, John.
0: If anything, I was the one that came up short. Next distraction Water lady in a wet t shirt.
1: I thought a lot about what you said yesterday. Uh huh. So I went home and I had my brother do some test shots of me. And I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna send him to Playboy.
0: Why, why Playboy?
1: Because in the pictures, I'm naked. Uh huh.
0: Which then segues itself to pre med Dr. Bailey fretting over a broken lamp. <laughs> what happened to the lamp? It's, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. Just hold my calls. Okay. Which then leads neatly back to Tesh. There, right there. Don't you think I look a little wooden? Oh no, you're very really animated and poignant. Which then junctures itself to Bob's ex-wife yammering on more about her new age crab.
3: I just need one minute of your time. Okay, you've got a minute. There's a minute coming. It's not here yet, but you put me down for a minute. I owe you one minute.
1: Wherein, Bob tries to find refuge in another empty room that's currently constructing his bed of nails which then pivots itself back to the water lady. I want you to look at these and be
3: brutally, brutally honest. Maria, I'm not,
1: <laughs> Howie. Which then junctures itself back to John Tesh. Oh my God, are you John Tesh? Yes, I am.
3: <laughs> John, Maria has a very important decision to make about her modeling career. I think you could help. Uh, uh, show him the pictures.
1: Which then makes an alteration back to Babu Bot the nail bed maker Mr. Patterson, would you prefer five penny nails or ten penny nails?
0: Which then makes a conversion to Dr. Bailey trying to walk out of her wheelchair Which also segues to the single worst thing about this episode
3: Look at that, What, what, what is that?
0: I believe she's holding on to the sink. I
3: think
1: she's standing. I agree with John Tesh.
3: <laughs> Mr. during times of great stress, people are capable of superhuman strength. Have you ever seen The Incredible Hulk, sir? No. I knew this. I know it for being scaled. She's holding on to the sink. But you think she's that strong? What do you suggest we do? Throw something at her and see
2: if
0: she falls trying to catch it?
3: That's No! No!
0: <laughs> they threw an object... At the head of a paraplegic minority woman. And this is the
1: first episode, people! It only means that the hole they have to dig themselves out of is several miles deep. How does Bob smooth things over? What happened? I don't know. It happened so fast. <laughs> but whatever
3: it was, you handled it beautifully. I did? Yes, you did. I think you may have been sent here to teach me some things.
1: Oh, you are so much nicer than my last boss. He was kind of, you know, Jewy. Well, I better get back.
0: Jewy? So, for those keeping track, the first episode of Jason Alexander's sitcom Comeback contains jokes against black people, the disabled, Jewish people and a metric ton of sex jokes. What else can we pile on to this?
2: Bob, can you say one thing? I have been so selfish. I fell in love with Bob Patterson, this sweet little man who sold big screen TVs. And I watched as you blossomed into Bob Patterson. And I listened as Bob Patterson motivated thousands of people to go out there and find themselves. The- so I came back here because I thought that maybe... the Bob Patterson might help me, but Bob Patterson is also Bob Patterson, my
1: best friend, and I can't ask Bob Patterson to let me disrupt his life while I'm getting out from Bob Patterson.
0: Gee, I wonder what the name of the show is. For a second, I thought we were watching a show called Harold Stickley. Google that name in order for the joke to make sense. Tr- trust me. So now that the ex is out of the way... Oh, wait, she's listed in the main cast, isn't she? Okay. How does she manage to cling on to a sinking ship? Janet! Janet!
1: Janet!
3: You can
0: stay. Oh, f-
1: Bob, I'm destroying your life.
3: Destroying, inspiring. It's a fine, thin, sick line, Janet.
1: <laughs> oh, there are so many obstacles. How can we possibly get past them?
3: We'll get past them. They climbed Mount Everest, didn't they? I mean, the mountain is not an obstacle once you've crossed over it. That's good.
0: (laughs) You are good! So now that Bob has his muse again, all that remains is the seminar, complete with Bob laying on a bed of nails. Which, given how contrived a sitcom this has become, can only end the way that you think it could.
2: Home run! Lincoln at Gettysburg!
3: Hendrix at Woodstock! Call 911! You're on fire! You're a volcano! You're going in and out, all one one.
0: <laughs> Which brings us to one final segue of the last thing that anybody watching could possibly want to see. Jason Alexander naked in a hospital room with strips of bandages all over his body. I guess since the show aired at 9pm, they could get away with that stuff, so, you know, can't really fault them there. But if you pardon the Bed of Nails related pun, there's really only one other way to nail things down.
3: I have an itch on my right cheek. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, to the right. Lower.
2: Oh, harder. Harder. Oh,
1: that's good. Oh, my God.
0: Wanna... take this one, Jerry? Not that there's anything wrong with that!
3: (laughs) No, not at all.
0: After the 21 minutes and 6 seconds that were displayed, I think we can see why TV critics called Bob Patterson one of the worst new shows of the 2001 TV season. The New York Times stating that the series was the season's biggest disappointment, while USA Today gave the show a a 1.5 star rating but not without complimenting that Chandra Wilson was, quote, the only person in the show you could imagine seeing again. Five years later, they'd be proven exactly right.
1: Stop looking at my JJ.
0: Unfortunately, one silver lining doesn't make for a great TV show, even if the star of said show is a beloved one. So, where does Bob Patterson wind up motivating itself in Telehell? Let's take a page from the man himself and see if we can't go...
1: Of our nine circles. Limbo, lust, gluttony, greed, wrath, heresy, violence, fraud, treachery!
0: Ten episodes of the show were produced, but only five aired, ultimately getting cancelled on Halloween night 2001. Perfect motivation for Limbo. Limbo. The jokes in the pilot alone could easily be composed in the following structure. Offensive, sexual, offensive, sexual, offensive, sexual, sexual, and sexual. Not that we're being prudes or anything, but there's a right way and a wrong way to tell jokes like that. Patterson managed to find the exact wrong way every single time with little regard to what few viewers were watching. And the few who did watch probably experienced rap by the offensive jokes and simultaneously got turned off by how lustful the sex jokes were. But given the benefit of the doubt, it's not necessarily just poor sitcom writing that ultimately derailed the show, even though it did have a lot going for it, sight unseen. Returning to the interview that he gave for the TV Academy, Alexander put the show's failure to launch into perspective. We had two studios, not one. We had Fox and we had Touchstone
3: for ABC. Let's go further. ABC had two presidents. One liked us, one hated us. There are five people that rank above me, five entities, and I'm juggling all these sensibilities, trying to make everybody feel like we're on the same team. There are things I would change about it. If I went back and said, I'm going to start that project now, there are things that we didn't realize could be problems that became problems that we would fix. But the basic premise of the show, the character of the show, the the bones of that show, and even some of the episodes that we pulled off, we couldn't buy any love from a critic. We were in three different time slots, so if you wanted to find us, you'd have to look a little harder than that. And despite that, our numbers went up every week. Baby steps, but that direction. But I will go to my grave saying, I think it is a better idea than a lot of what's on TV now. It just, through a, a series
0: of unfortunate events, it didn't really get its chance. And really, pro clutching aside, the elements of what could have been a great TV show was there. But between all the micromanagement going on and the fact that Alexander and Tilden never really had experience in running a TV show, pretty much left the show wide open to be mismanaged and micromanaged regardless of its intentions. Up to and including constant interference from ABC, Touchstone, and Fox, and for a show that's just trying to start out, that's entry-level treachery. But even if all the mismanagement wasn't a factor, let's also not forget the fact that, for years, we saw one actor portray one TV character masterfully, and while the audience was expecting to see him do something different with his acting range, we really only wound up with a variation on that same character, only in a new series of circumstances, such as the pitfall when typecasting rears its ugly head. The audience wanted to see something new, not a rerun, and no matter how good Alexander's intentions were, the comparisons to George Costanza would be inevitable with Patterson being dismissed as a fraud. It's almost as though that other character realized it a long time ago.
3: A George divided against itself cannot stand.
0: <laughs> Bob Patterson earns five out of nine circles of telehell. But despite how big a flop the show would turn out to be, Alexander would remain proud of the show, flaws and all. So much so that once the heat died down from all the bad buzz, and he also appeared in a number of good projects once again, he would revisit the notion of playing a motivational speaker. This time around as America's number four self-help guru, this one named Donnie Clay. Now I asked you up here because you guys have been in a long relationship
3: like me, and I wanna tell you something, we wanna teach these people. So, one of the things we have to admit, there's so many wonderful things that only come about by being in a long relationship. Am I right, uh, Jim, right? Yeah, there are, Yeah, list them. What?
0: (laughs) I know, there's so many, there's so many. The performances as clay were part seminar, part one-man show, and was really more of a return to stage roots for Alexander, showing at least one instance that anybody can overcome their biggest failures and just keep pushing along. And sure enough, Jason Alexander would never star in a flop again.
3: In fact, Burn my heart is so filled with patriotic No! Yes! I feel a song coming on! <laughs>
0: Nah, that's really more of a run-of-the-mill kind of bad. Nothing special. Trust me, he did okay for himself. Really. Huh. You know, for an episode with a lot of Seinfeldian themes, I was expecting a little bit more of a Larry David-esque ending here. But I'm kind of stuck. Uh... Here's Jason Alexander fighting with Larry David? What this happened? is not a meeting about the show.
3: This is a meeting about having a meeting. I know, but the intention is the same. Don't you understand? I drove here the, with the same intention. The driving, the driving is the not meeting. the meaning. The, the driving. driving is what we're talking about. The driving, is, 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 the driving what is
1: what we're talking about.
0: about. Next time on Telehel. The third TV movie in our contract for this season is proof that even masterpieces have their flaws.
1: <laughs> you won't miss. I know you. You're, you're too talented to miss. Todd, you are really a weird kid. you know that? Until then. If it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn.
0: Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. Not unlike certain viruses, TeleHell is everywhere now. In addition to Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, we can also be heard on Google Podcasts and the iHeartRadio app. Of course, we can also be heard in a number of other places just by
1: Googling TeleHell. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and follow our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at TeleHell Podcasts.